The Milwaukee Brewers being insanely inept at this homestand that they've been in. I think this is one of the worst homestands they've ever had in the history of the Milwaukee Brewers. Corbin Burns, the Brewers' ace, threw 113 pitches. Four, what did he have? Four, I have to look here. Four and one-third innings of work for Corbin Burns. Rowdy, why would Craig Council, who never, ever lets... His star pitchers go over 100 pitches. Why would he let Corbin Burns throw 113 pitches? Yeah, especially in a game in which when Corbin Burns was pitching, they gave the lead up, right? Mm -hmm. So they were down 3-1 to in that fifth inning when he did not last the fifth inning. All I can think of is is the fact that he allowed Corbin Burns to go 113 pitches, where we've hardly ever seen him not only not allow Burns to go that long, but Woodruff and some of the other big arms that they have. And that's been the last couple seasons. Mm-hmm. The only thing I can think of is he knew he needed a win. He needed to salvage at least one game in that series. You know, we always come on here and it's like, you can play some bad baseball, but you can't get swept. Yeah. It's like a big no, no Yeah, just because the difference between getting swept and losing two out of three is two games. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You go zero and three or you go two or one and two. That's that's big. And if you can continue to avoid sweeps all season, you're going to do yourself big time favors at the end of the year. Record wise. He knew he needed to get that win. He had his ace on the mound, a rating Cy Young award winner. He figured he had his stopper on the mound and it was the typical, Hey, your ace is on the mound afternoon game. Need this one need a big time performance. You're going to, you're going to get it. He was feeling rowdy. The pressure. He was, he felt the pressure. There's no other reason why he let Corbin Burns go that long. Gregory was under pressure. My friends check this out. They lost six of seven to the Padres and Phillies. The lone win required a four run ninth inning rally. The Brewers in their six straight loss have been outscored 38 to 9. 113 pitches from Corbin Burns. Yeah, I think Council was uh, under pressure a little bit there, Rowdy. So Eflin was on the mound for the Phillies. He's a guy, obviously, a right hander. He's all right. He's not awful. He's not great. But when I saw the batting order that was batting first, playing left field, Christian Yelich, batting second, playing shortstop, Willie Adamas. Batting third, playing first base, Rowdy Telez. Batting fourth, playing second base, Luis Arias. Batting fifth, <laughs> DHing, Andrew McCutcheon. Batting sixth, playing third base, Jace Peterson. Batting seventh, right fielder, Hunter Renfro. Batting eighth. I had a home run, by the way. Victor Carantini, who was also catching. And then batting ninth, Tyrone Taylor playing center field. Mm -mm -mm. I looked at that and instantly my eyes went up and down the lineup and said, huh, looks like yet again, the Brewers are going to trot a lineup where arguably two out of their three best hitters were hitting seventh and ninth. So let me ask you, Rowdy, when you saw that and you came storming here to the studio to talk to Ben, you came to me to storm and to, you know, talk to me about it and be uh, hacked off. And it was a interesting lineup, the grand experiment. You said I was going to take a nap. Let me ask you. How was the nap? I decided take a nap and also emailing, emailing uh, as what you would, I guess you would consider more of a business work, work stuff. Sure. I, I guess technically for us, you could consider watching a brewer game work. That's work, but I don't right, necessarily I mean, consider it. Yeah. <laughs> but emailing, I potentially clients or business partners uh-huh, uh-huh. i decided to do that so real work over watching the milwaukee brewers oh, the nap was good though yeah of course <laughs> it beats watching corbin burns labor into the fifth <laughs> inning and then lose yet again so, I mean, yeah is there a problem with like putting mccutcheon in a pittsburgh uniform for a day and maybe he'll learn how to hit in milwaukee <laughs> Uh, he did have one hit yesterday, but I wasn't really doing anything. If you're looking at positives for the Milwaukee Brewers. Here, here we go, Rowdy. Hell yeah. I, t- I tasked Rowdy it, for some positives. It happens yesterday. sometimes. Yeah. They out hit the Phillies. 11 hits to Phillies nine. Um, Hunter Renfro had a home run. Willie Adamas had a home run in his second game back. I guess that's a positive, right, Rowdy? Trying but, to think. Uh, they didn't get shut out. Okay, there's, there's, they did not get shut out. I'm trying to think of some other positives, too. They move on to play the lowly Nationals. 
Wouldn't you say the Phillies are pretty lowly coming in though? Not as much much of the Nationals, but yeah. But the Phillies they were they were a team before the season that was projected to be potentially a playoff team, yeah, or at least like a wild card contender. So it's not like the Nationals where they're clearly rebuilding with a bunch of uh, has beens or never will bees. No, this guy's here's dead. I mean, I guess a couple other positives is Yelich went two for four and Kane's batting average didn't go down. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we'll take it. I mean, Kane Kane's batting average didn't go down because he wasn't there to make it go down. But That's yes, the only good move Council made. Yelich with the two hits. Yelly now batting two thirty. Rowdy uh, lead off. Yelich has been actually. Are we celebrating this? We're, we're searching positives, aren't we? Aren't we trying to get a couple positives? I'm not celebrating it, no. But yeah, after two hits, the guy that makes <laughs> nearly twenty seven million and is the guy that you expect to be an all star is batting two thirty. All right, so we're just trying to find positives, that's all. So the Brewers here, you look at this homestand, man, and Rowdy in the razor's edge. By the way, Nelly gets it again in the razor's edge. He said the uh, the Angels hit were due. It was the due method, right, Rowdy? The due yeah, theory? Yeah, the due theory. Like your due. The Joey Otane went seven strong innings and hit a bomb. So you had um, the Angels had lost, what, 14 in a row? Correct. And Rowdy's like, they're due. The due theory. They're due for a win. What happened? The Angels get a win. Therefore, Rowdy wins on the Razor's Edge. Right now, the dude is 3-1 and one in the Razor's Edge. And the again, the king, another guy we know from Shano. Nathan's the pride of Shano over here. What's the king? Is he like the... Is he like the... the the dirt of Shano, the scrounge I mean, d- of Shano. D- does he really exist, though? I mean, he's on Twitch, so we never even hear him. I I've seen some videos of him, like oh, well. reacting to Brewers wins. But he said, so Rowdy, like two videos. You got he chugs a shot in a beer. It's pretty entertaining, actually. No, Rowdy, the King said to you, how would you handle it or watch it happen if the, you went, you know, won all your bets in the Razor's Edge, but only the Brewers let you down. It could very well happen. I mean, we're extremely close to that happening. It's shaping up for that to happen. Uh, Brewers, though, yes, they now hit the road. They're in Washington to take on the Nationals starting tonight. We'll get some comments from Craig Council coming up. Um, talking about how it's just not fun, obviously. But also, it is a baseball season. The ebbs and the flows, the ups and the downs. So I was talking to a guy last night that actually what he is an Angels fan and has been an Angels fan since they were the California Angels. And he actually sent a text message where he goes, since they've lost 14 in a row, you start to get to that point where you go, are they ever going to win a baseball game again? That's kind of where I'm starting to get with the Milwaukee Brewers with how bad they've been playing for the past week and a half. Yeah, it's been tough. They haven't won a game since Memorial Day. It's tough. It's really tough right now for the Brewers. And here's the other thing, though, and I think we all can be. Here's another positive for you, Nathan and Rowdy and myself and everyone listening. Again, the Cardinals lose. The Milwaukee Brewers <laughs> Nathan, make that sound again for me. Thank you. The Milwaukee, I'm sorry, the Milwaukee Ewers lost 8-3 to to the Philadelphia Phillies yesterday. That's the sweep by the Phillies. Uh, this homestand, they lost 6-7 of seven to the Padres and Phillies. The lone win was a four-run ninth-inning rally. This is all my fault. That's the only game I watched. Six straight losses. They've out, been outscored. 38 to nine. And again, four of those runs coming in that ninth inning. Yeah. And it's even worse if you go back post Labor Day, Mm. because that's two additional losses to the Cubs, two games in which you thought they probably should have won. All I have to say is I think Craig council and the Milwaukee Brewers are feeling the pressure. I mean, you look at what they did yesterday. You had Corbin Burns on the mound. He's your ace. He's your reigning Cy Young award winner. He's a guy that, if there was ever going to be a starting pitcher that was going to come in, shut a team down and get a win for you, you were going to probably think it'd be Corbin Burns. Yeah. That wasn't able to come to fruition, but also the fact that Craig council allowed him, we're talking in the fifth, he didn't get out of the Four fifth inning in one third innings, but he allowed him in the fifth inning to get to 113 pitches because he knew the team needed a win badly. Mm-hmm. Not only when they really weren't salvaging the homestand by any means, but to sell, at least one game in that series against the Phillies. He kept him in here in the game. And we know that even in the past couple of years, Woodruff Burns, they've been noticeably frustrated when getting taken out of games late. Yeah. 
especially when they've had good stuff. Almost like they get to like 90 pitches and Council's like, nope, bubble yep, wraps got to come out, bubble wraps out. Well, this was a game where Corbin Burns was struggling with his stuff. I mean, he had four walks. Now, it, it wasn't like he was terrible, but yeah, his pitch talents got up. He let him go to 113 pitches. I think Craig Council and the Brewers are reeling a little bit to allow him to do that. Oh, you're totally right, Rowdy. I mean, we know that the bubble wrap comes out real quick for the Brewers uh, pitchers here, the starting rotation. Craig Council, 113 pitches for Corbin Burns. That, I was told. That, no kidding. I was pressure. actually told that it was automatic arm falls off injury at 100. S- same. That's what I was been told, too. That's why they always yank him. Well, they let him go 113. Damage came, though, Rowdy. Uh, I mean, Corbin Burns only gave a, what, one earned run? But here's, check this out. The Brewers offense, yikes. Solo shots, Willie Adamas and Hunter Renfro. Willie Adamas' second game back. I mean, Willie Adamas was dialed in yesterday. He had a, he was battling. If I, 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 there's 162 games in a season. I normally will catch part, at least parts of 150 and at least all of 120 games. Mm -hmm. No doubt. Pretty much every year for the last, I'd say, decade. Yesterday, I had to take a mental health day from the Milwaukee Brewers from the last 10 plus days. I I told you, you took a nap. On, on air 20, took a nap, roughly folks. 24 hours ago, I'm either going to nap, watch the game, or I'm going to take a very long walk. I saw the lineup come out at about 11 o'clock. I instantly came into the studio to bitch to Ben Kenny. Then I went into your producer suite uh-huh. to bitch about it. And I instantly made the decision then when I looked at the lineup said, that's it. I'm taking a nap. This lineup stinks. And was it one of the best naps you've ever had? Fell asleep at about 1.30, woke up at 4. Unfortunately, the game was still on and playing. <laughs> Checked the score, saw they were losing, said, well, at least I feel a little refreshed. I mean, one of the things that really just pisses me off is the fifth inning. So Telez doubles to start off. Strikeout, strikeout, flyout. You got a guy that doubles and can't even get past second base, that's like me on prom night <laughs> with a beer. And you couldn't even get past first. Well, <laughs> I couldn't even get to first. <laughs> it's you all could. right. I hit a solo home run. <laughs> hey, Tom, what'd you walk into over here, man? You, uh, uh, okay, just, just so he knows, like, I'm a caller. I'm not even part of no, the we'll, show. We'll explain. When, he comes in, when he comes in, we'll explain. We'll explain when he gets into the, the main studio here. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, the, I mean, there's no rest for the, I was going to say wicked, but I don't, the Brewers aren't wicked. They're, they're wicked bad oh, dude, right they now. They have to go on the road and take at least two out of three from the Nationals and get back on the winning ways. I mean, you look at the Nationals. They're a bottom five team in Major League Baseball right now. And if you talk about how some of those bottom feeders are currently playing, they're probably even closer to one of the worst teams in baseball. You have to win the series, right? Yeah. Like you can't just you can't just lose another series to the lowly Nats and then have your little day off on Monday and then go right back on the road to play three with the Mets and then three at Cincinnati. Yeah. Well, check this out. I mean, the Brewers keep losing, right? Well, uh, they're still first place in the NL Central. Because the Cardinals just got swept by the Rays. So the Cardinals had every opportunity to actually take uh, sole possession of NL, the first place for NL Central. They couldn't do it. Yeah, and the Car- see, they've been getting lucky that the Cardinals haven't played good ball this week either. And they just got uh, Tyler O'Neill back, who's a really good player for them last year but was struggling this year. He actually, if I, I think he had like elbow or shoulder issues, were kind of like Keston here out of college. He had to get a shot. Yeah, And uh, he's just coming back. I know Carlson is another guy that was a pretty good player for him. He's been on the shelf, and we mentioned some of the pitching that's been out. But, yeah, thankfully the Cardinals haven't been playing well either. The power of the show, absolutely incredible. Now, when we signed on years ago, we had an affiliate up in the uh, Marinette area, WMAM, and a guy started calling in. He uh, dubbed himself the Pipeline of the North. Troy and we became really good you know, buddies. He's, he's a really cool guy. He came down to a Badger game. We partied together. Uh, awesome wife, awesome guy, everything. And then he started to talk about, you know, I got a son that actually is uh, big into golf and fall around the golf scene. And I'm like, oh, really? So he started, you know, the proud dad that he is was talking all about it. And I said, this guy sounds awesome. So what can we do to get him on? So he's like, well, let me facilitate. We now welcome in Sean Zach, Golf Magazine, golf.com. Sean, good morning. How are we doing today, my man? Good. It is actually afternoon for me, early morning for you guys. <laughs> but I'm in England at the kind of center of the golf world right now. 
I'm doing pretty well, and hopefully my dad is listening in, but I know it's early for you guys. Oh, he said he said to me that he's got to get up a little earlier today to make sure he can hear his son on these airwaves. Uh, you're, by the way, real quick before we get to the golf, your dad, we had a blast partying with him for a Badger game and your mom as well. You got some, you got some good family members right there, Sean, really good people. Uh, and if, I will extend the invite to you as I did your dad and your mom. Anytime there's a Badger game and you're around, come party. Drinks are on us, okay? We're coming October 1st. I think they play Illinois in Madison. So All right. I'll, I'll find you guys then. Drinks on us. We'll be in the broadcast booth making fools of ourselves, so come on down. Uh, all right, so, Sean, you uh, are in England right now. The Live kicked our teed off yesterday. Uh, first of all, before we get into that, what's the, what's the vibe on the Live as the PGA just suspended 17 of these guys. What's the vibe on the live right now? Is this kind of like a, hey, F you to the PGA? Is this them taking a stand? Like, what essentially is the live for people out there uh, wondering? Yeah, it's, well, it's a complex thing, but basically uh, it is a golf series of eight events that is being funded by uh, the Saudi Arabian government, and they are rivaling the PGA Tour and putting a bunch of money in the pockets of some of the, I guess, most famous golfers in the world, Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, Sergio Garcia, uh, frankly, a lot of older guys, veteran guys that are probably past their prime but still draw a crowd. And, uh, yeah, they've had their first round yesterday. It's a different event. It's a team event and an individual event at the same time, kind of like the Tour de France has teams and individual racers as well. Um, and they're playing for the biggest prize that golf has ever seen. There's a, it's a $20 million purse for the individuals and an extra $5 million going out to the team. So wow. uh, it's, it's extremely controversial uh, <laughs> because of where the money is coming from yeah. and the fact that uh, Saudi Arabian government has done this in, in other corners of the sports world. You know, they've, they've purchased soccer teams, and uh, they have purchased part of the F1 driving series. And this is, this is their way of getting into the golf world. And the PGA Tour doesn't want it. They don't want it to happen. So it feels like we're at the kind of center of a, a splintering, I guess, is what I called it yesterday. <laughs> and here you are covering it all right there. So, do you, I mean, in your humble opinion, do you think the PGA is concerned about, you know, them, you know, taking away some of these, as you said, older golfers? I know Dustin Johnson there and et cetera. But, you know, are, are they concerned that it's messing kind of with their bottom line? Or, you know, what's the concern of the PGA? Oh, they totally are. The, the PGA Tour is its a weird, uh, it's technically a nonprofit of like 220 independent contractors. Like Rory McIlroy is an independent contractor. He decides where he plays, what tournaments he wants to compete in. Ricky Fowler is the same way. Jordan Spieth is the same way. And all together, they make up the PGA Tour, which is the status quo. It's 42 or 43 events every single year. There's many millions of dollars on it, but altogether, the PGA Tour's purse doesn't even come it, like it. It pales in comparison to the amount of money that is going into these events. The amount of money that's just being passed over when Phil Mickelson signs on the dotted line. Yeah. So it's a huge deal because the status quo is being up, up. You know, it's being upheavaled. <laughs> like it's being upturned right now. Crazy. And uh, what? what what the PGA tour has going for it though, is the top 10 players in the world are committed to it. So, you know, as I discussed, the veterans, uh, and some of the older players that are past their prime are competing in this live series. They are not the top 10 players in the world. So like this week, Rory McIlroy is playing in Canada. Justin Thomas is playing on the tour event in Canada. It's a long way from here, but it also doesn't feel that far from here because they're being asked about it. It feels like there's a, there's now two sides to a, a golf turf war and uh, it's going to end up getting shaked out, like probably in the court system. And wow. This could go to the Supreme court at some point. Wow. Like, there's going to be a lot of lawyers involved, uh, antitrust lawsuits, and yesterday was really kind of like the day it all got real. Crazy. So say that they do get like the Supreme Court or these higher powers involved and they rule in the favor of the PGA. Do you think the PGA would then allow the Dustin Johnsons and Phil Mickelsons of the world to come back and play at the PGA Tour? Because therefore at the, that time it would be like illegal to play in Saudi. Yeah. 
Sure. Yeah. I, I think that it's not a crazy uh, plausibility. You know, if, if it would go to the courts and the PGA tour would win, there would be value in them allowing these players to, to return with their tail between their legs. Um, <laughs> that frankly feels like that feels like at least a full year away. Like this, this is going to trickle out um, both slowly and fast at the same time. Like it's been a trickle to this point. And then yesterday you had T balls go in the air for the first time. And 20 minutes later, the PGA tour sends out a memo to its members saying these guys are banned. So like, it was a trickle and then wham, it all happened really quickly. And then you know, a couple hours later, we get the opinions of the players who've been suspended and some of them care. <laughs> some of them want to appeal it and others don't, they don't give a damn, you know, like Lee Westwood <laughs> was asked about it and he said, no, I expected this. This is, this is, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah. And so there's a lot of, uh, there's, there's dissident, there's players that are despondent. There's, um, players that, that you've never heard of playing out here that are going to end up winning hundreds of thousands of dollars for not even playing that well. Wow. So it's, you know, in a word, it's all just chaotic. Well, I guess I could see if, if they do let the players come back after say, if this league falls apart, I could see them suspending some of them or, or keeping them off the tour for an amount of time. But I guess I would just give the PGA finally a reason to officially suspend Phil Mickelson and Dustin Johnson. Um, not kind of backhandedly, like having both of them been blackballed, I guess, by the PGA uh, to an extent at times, but not necessarily suspended. Yeah. Oh, well, what's weird is that Dustin has resigned his membership. So he announced that last week that he's resigned, which just means like, okay, I'm no longer affiliated. Um, the tour mean says like, if you've resigned, you're no longer eligible to come back. If you haven't resigned your membership, that's what Phil Mickelson hasn't done yet you're suspended. So, you know, I think, I think what I'm seeing out here, frankly, though, is like, and, and is a weird way of like a, a band of 17 mothers who have decided to do this thing together. And <laughs> frankly, they're going to be joined. <laughs> yes. They're going to be, they're going to be joined by three more people. Uh, Patrick Reed, Bryson DeChambeau, and soon enough, Ricky Fowler as well. And so suddenly it's going to be 20 brothers in arms. And uh, I've heard, Many, many other names rumored to, to join at the next live event, which will be in Portland in uh, like four weeks from now. Yeah. And that'll be the first time it's on American soil. And that is even more chaotic wow. for the commissioner of the PGA Tour. And they'll have even big, even more, you know, well-known names and popular players playing in that event, which makes this thing even more of an affront to the status so, quo. Sure. So, uh, Sean, I, I want to ask you. I want to ask you on uh, Lefty here. Uh, Sean Zach with us right now. Uh, golf.com. Follow him on Twitter. Sean underscore Zach S E A N underscore Z A K. Sean, I'm looking at your Twitter account, and there is a you know Phil Mickelson. This guy is no stranger to controversy. If it's not gambling problems, now it's you know the the live Saudi league. Is he what? I assume this was on purpose. He's rocking uh, the clothes that he's wearing. He's blacked out the Augusta National logo and the PGA logo. Did, did he do this on purpose as a shot of the PGA to take? Yeah, some, some are of the, saying he used a marker, the branded clothes, and then took a, a a black sharpie to, you know, squiggle out their logos. Is that the case? I honestly don't know. I I, I saw this yesterday, basically twenty four hours ago. I was one of the first people out here, and I saw him wearing an Augusta National logo, which uh, was telling only because. Like all the other logos in Phil Mickelson's life have been stripped from him. Callaway, KPMG, Workday. These logos that he had worn with million dollar contracts were stripped from him because they don't support the actions he's taking right now. So the only logo that he was wearing on Wednesday was his logo. Him jumping, you know, raising his putter into the air from when he won his Masters. And then on Thursday, he shows up wearing the Augusta National logo. And I took a photo of it. And I tweeted it out. And I was like, God, that's just a, just a weird thing that, like, he's trying to be the, probably the smartest man in the room. He loves kind of, like, prodding and, and, and trying to, to outsmart people. But then on the fourth hole, it looked like he was wearing a different vest. I don't know if he blacked it out with marker and wore the same vest. I think it was a different vest. You know, I, I was talking to a couple of people um, who are knowledgeable with the, the folks at National, and I know they definitely weren't thrilled with the idea. 
Um, and didn't get a chance to ask Phil afterwards about it because he's not saying a whole lot yeah. about just about anything. So it, that was easily like uh, the biggest story that is totally a non-story, but like <laughs> might be a story. Uh, very confusing. So time. bizarre. So bizarre. So Sean, before I let you go, my man, um, uh, two, two final questions. How was the, how was the live? Like, was there a big crowd? Like how was the gallery? Was it good golf? Like what was going on yesterday? Sure. Yeah, so they have they have capped the total attendance this week uh, at eight thousand, and there were definitely not eight thousand people here yesterday. I would, I'd say probably three or four thousand. And what is interesting is like the the field of players, they're dealing with controversy and they're dealing with you know a lot of journalists that are kind of like holding their feet to the fire and. They're squirming a little bit, but once they once the golf started, once Phil Mickelson got on the first tee, he was beloved like he has been every other time of his thirty year career. People were cheering for him, they were supporting him, he was giving his thumbs up like he always does. And so like the crowd, it was it was lively. Like the people who are out here wanted to be out here. They were not protesting, they were, you know. Frankly, they were supporting, which uh, which is unexpected, I think, by, by me. I, I wasn't sure how it would look, and uh, it definitely looked one-sided in, in the direction of support. Yeah. So we'll and see what the rest of it looks like. There's still two more rounds. Well, Sean, we'll keep following along in your Twitter account at SeanZack, also golf.com. Awesome, great articles, great stuff here. Uh, before I do let you go, personally, how is England? Yeah, how is everything going over there for you? How's the food? How's everything? Yeah. <laughs> the food has been filling. You know, I just had an English breakfast this morning, which is uh, two pieces of ham, which, you know, is their version of bacon. It is two eggs, sunny side up. It is a, a plate full of uh, beans with two hash browns, <laughs> two sausages, and uh, four pieces of toast. So, like, I ate most of it, and I would say, yeah, the food has been, been good and filling and very meaty. But uh, I, I need to start getting back into running so I can stay in shape. <laughs> well, Sean, thanks so much for joining us, man. We really appreciate it. You give us a great insight into this Live League. And I can't wait to see you, uh, you and the fam, you and the Zacks down here for uh, Wisconsin tailgating, my friend. Again, beers on us when you guys come for uh, that game. All right? All right, my friend? All righty. Uh, take okay, care, man. Take care. Soon. See you, buddy. Good stuff there. Sean Zach, golf.com. Awesome. We say good morning to our guy, Dave Essler, Uncle Dave. Dave, you and John yeah. Daly golfing uh, together paired up for a pro-am. You're the, you're the, well, you guys are both pros, but Daly the pro, you're the amateur. Would you have a cigarette and a beer of John Daly? Oh, boy, I'd have to take the fifth on that one. Um, <laughs> I know you got like I half mean, your lung just got lopped off, but would you yeah, do exactly. it, for, would you do exactly. it with Daly? And I, and, I don't, and I don't particularly care for beer, so... I would have to go right for the Long Island iced tea. Oh, that's fine. I'm sure John Daly will give you a wink and a smile for that one. I love it, dude. You know, <laughs> yeah, Hooters delivers, I heard. <laughs> Dave, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. You know, I mean, we're just winning money hand over fist. And well, that's why you're the best, baby. That's why you're the best. I actually got a beer in my hand this morning. Well. It's delicious. I'm, 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 cheers for you, know. Dave. Hey, Dave, um, Rowdy and I were yeah. talking a little bit yesterday. How the hell are you so good at handicapping golfers? Like, wh- how do you do it? You, are, you, are you asking me a serious question? This is the most serious I've ever been, Dave. Okay, well, no, I don't, I think that, well, never mind. We won't go there either. Um, <laughs> I started it during COVID when we had no sports. I said, well, this can't be that difficult. And... It's actually not. I mean, I don't win every week, but well, you, can, Cody, you know. What did you say to me yesterday? Because you're always in the money, Dave, of this. Like, how? Um, lucky guesses, I, I would imagine. Okay. You know, I mean, you know, they, they, you know, they have stats on all these guys, and the courses are all different. You know, some of them don't favor long hitters, and some of them have small greens, and you need a shot maker, and... You know, you never want to go, never want to not take a really good putter because they can, they can make up for a lot of ills. So it's kind of like find horses for the courses. 
find guys that don't really care. Like this week, you know, next week was the U.S. Open. So, you know, I avoided guys like, I think, Justin Thomas and uh, maybe Scheffler. And, you know, they're probably, um, if they're even close to not making the cut on a day like today, Uh they'll they'll get a bogey or two on purpose so they can not play on the weekend and go uh, to Brookline for the U.S. Open next week. So, I mean, I look at it like it's not really that much different than handicapping sports. It's actually a lot more tangible to me. Dave, I have, I have a question. Do they, I see, I'm not really a golf better, but do they have like senior PGA uh, bets that you can make for props or is it just strictly PGA tour? Um, I've only seen PGA tour. They might have them for like senior majors. Okay. Gotcha. Because we have the uh, AmFam championships this weekend in Madison and we have a guy that will be on location covering it. So if you needed a guy to miss a putt, maybe we could get him to distract him yeah, or moon him. Yeah, we, we could we could uh, have our guys go mess with yeah, influence a bet for said you. guys. Yeah, we would do that for you, Dave. Well, that's why we love you. We love um, you so much. I actually, I actually, there's a company called U.S. Integrity. <laughs> <laughs> uh, integrity is something we don't have here, Dave. Come on. Uh, well. Don't don't drag me down that rabbit hole. <laughs> well, I'm just saying you 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 can just you know wash your hands of it. You can disavow everything. We can do it for you. Just disavow, disavow. It's a little difficult when it's on the freaking radio. <laughs> well, okay, that's actually a pretty good point because we do have millions of fans listening. Hey Dave, uh, so Rowdy was having a tough go at. If you say well, no, I was going to ask just on the golfing vein. Yeah. So obviously we were joking with the senior tour, but on were a different we? front with money and high stakes. Have you seen a lot of people, or is it is there a lot of handle going on with the Live Tour? Obviously, it started yeah. this week. A, a, a lot of what going on? A lot of people making bets, placing bets on the Live Tour, because I, I haven't even looked into any golf, I'll be completely um, honest. There's a, few, there's a few books in the U.S. that had odds on it. I mean, I've, I've been asked about it, but I'm not ready to start trying to be the master of everything here. I mean, it's it's a different format, and it'll take a little getting used to, but, you know, I, I would imagine if people can bet on it, they will. Oh, yeah. And Men and women will bet on anything. So I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't mind being on the cutting edge of that. I wouldn't mind. Um, I would probably work for LIV as, like, their insider, and, you know, they could get actually a lot of sponsorships with, you know, through bookmakers and whatnot. I mean, they're not going to get their... 200 billion back, but you know, <laughs> I can help them mitigate. No, I think they are going to get their 200 billion back, Dave. Gas prices here is 489. I saw. I think they'll be just fine in getting their money back. You know, uh, that's actually about what it is here too. So, Mm-mm-mm-mm. Dave, in, yeah. in order for me to you know go around this weekend, uh, fill my tank up so I can you know make it to point A to point B. Can you give me a nice little bet in Major League Baseball? You got anything? Uh, got anything for uh, Uncle Ebo here? Um. I got lots of things if you want. How much, how much risk do you want? Oh, I, Dave, my motto is if you ain't living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. So give me something risky. Well, I have to take the Reds' first five. I mean, Castillo's never pitched to his um, peripherals that the Sabermetrics guys love, but um, he has been pitching well lately. And that kid Palante for the Cardinals was a little wild in, in the minors. So, I, you know, we're not – Back in the Reds bullpen, they saved me by losing yesterday. So I would like I like the Reds in the first five. Um, I actually bet the Padres and the Rockies over seven last night. Good job, Dave, because I see that number's now seven and a half. Uh, I know Musgrove's been pitching well, but typically when um, elite pitchers get hit, it's by someone in the division that knows them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm actually looking at the, the 49ers. Yeah, they uh, the Giants, I mean, the Walker Bueller is actually not favored by as much as he should be, so that's a little bit of a red flag. Um, Texas in the American League, uh, Otto pitching for them against that kid Martin. I don't think he's any good. I like Texas. And let's see, what else do I like? Um, you got it all going there, Esler. Hell yeah. Well, I like the, I like the Celtics in the first half. I, well. I was going to say, I was going to ask you on the NBA Finals, Celtics in the first half, yeah? Well, you are a Boston guy. Does that cloud your vision at all? No, I, I thought on that for a few days. I mean, I didn't make an instinctive reaction. And, you know, usually those NBA series, and if you want to look back even this year, 
they have that sort of zigzag theory where team A wins or covers, so they adjust the line a little bit. Next, everybody's going yeah, 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 and the recency bias, and the next week team B wins, and it just goes back and forth, and that's happened in most every series, and it always does. So you know, if that were true, Golden State plus four, but I I can't bet against Boston at home, yeah, and I can't um, take out the crowd. You know, whether Draymond Green and the rest of them like the crowd, that's the way it is. Hey, let me ask you this, man. So before I let you go, David, thanks so much because uh, for the best. I, I really want to drive around this weekend and do some things, so i got to fill my tank up. Uh, but, Dave, my guy Rowdy over here, a little tough spell. Yesterday, uh, I, I said he was going to go undefeated in the Razors' edge this week. The only loss that he's had so far was because of the freaking Milwaukee Brewers, man, who just keep losing. Uh, but he had, uh, and I would ask you as the professional gambler and beautiful mind that you are, the do theory. Rowdy uh-huh. said that the Angels were due as they had lost 14 in a row. Now, in my defense, that was only like a third of the handicap. The due theory. And what happened? Shohei Otani and the Angels won, and Rowdy got a winning bet. Do you, the professional gambler and the beautiful mind that you have and are, do you abide by the due theory that they're eventually due? I do not. <laughs> so I was like, I feel like the Brewers are due for a win as they've now lost six in a row. I feel like they're due to beat the Nationals tonight. What do you think of that? Well, I don't know about all that. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm aware of them, and I could say that I... It sounds like it's um, not a good bet, though, eh? Yeah, I mean, well, well I'm not going to pay minus 170 for Ashby on the road against anybody. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I don't know. But... Um, you know, Rowdy, you can thank the Red Sox manager for that because they put out a triple-A Pawtucket lineup last night. We'll and take it, especially we'll take- when, when Otani goes seven strong and hits a bomb. D- Dave, they don't ask how. They just ask how many. you got to rely on your biggest players and your best players to actually win you a game and end that streak, just like the Brewers did with Corbin Burns last night. Uh, oh, wait. Oh, wait. They still lost. Oh, no. Oh, wait, uh, we were talking off air. What, have they been outscored the last six games, like 38 to 9? Yep. And, Dave, the one game that they've won in the calendar month of June? You don't have to remind me. You don't have to remind me. Dave, we love you, man. Thanks for all the insight, and you do not abide by the do theory. All right, I'll, I'll keep that at the back of my uh, my brain here for some future questions, okay? Dave, I want you to hit them long, hit them straight this weekend, and just envision you and John Daly golfing together, okay? Yeah, well, I've got to debate my LIV contract if they offered me, but, you know, blood money is real money. I might have to go. Hey, if they do give you a big contract and you need assistance, Rowdy and I will join you, okay? Uh, I want you to join me for the tournament that's in Tehran. <laughs> hey, Dave, we love you, buddy. Our guy, you know him every time there's a big UFC event because he is the biggest and the best at what he does. Our guy, Dan, from Half the Battle. Good morning, Dan. How's it going, gentlemen? It's, uh, it feels like it's been a long time since we've spoken. I know. It has been a while. And, Dan, did I see that you were actually the new stunt double for Emma Watson? Yeah, are you into the Harry Potter, Dan? <laughs> Could you guys believe that? You know, I did one of those things where it's like, who's your celebrity lookalike? I'm thinking it's going to be The Rock. I'm thinking it's going to be, you know... Uh, Jason, uh, Jason Statham. Uh, they gave me Emma Watson. Gentlemen. I, guess, I, guess it, <laughs> I, I guess in 2022, uh, that's acceptable. Well, Dan, I was going to say, I mean, I, you, you don't really have, I mean, you don't have like you shave your head, right, Dan? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you do got a really nice beard. Maybe they're confusing the long beard with the long hair on Emma Watson's top of her head. I don't know. I'll say uh, I'll say this though: you're 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 cuter than Emma Watson. Okay, Dan. And I was going to say you are a wizard at UFC and MMA. Yeah. So there's that. <laughs> hey, you know, if they're saying Emma Watson because I'm an attractive person, then thank you very much. Uh, Facebook quiz. <laughs> All right, so Dan, UFC 275 getting underway here. But before we get into that, I want to give you, I know you said it off air, but congratulations, a big round of applause from over the line here. A purple belt in jiu-jitsu, my man. Well done. Congratulations. Oh, man, it's crazy. You know, it, it feels like such a great accomplishment until you go to the gym every single day. There's a target on your back, and now you can't turn anybody down for roll. So now the D1 football players want to go with me, the D1 wrestlers, the 250-pound men. 
And I, and I can't say no because I'm a purple belt. <laughs> what kind of message does that say? So now uh, everybody wants a piece of me. Oh, but it's qu- great. Question, Dan. What if Emma Watson said she wanted to roll around with you? Oh, yeah. We could do that over uh, some sushi and wine for sure. <laughs> hey, how do you celebrate the purple belt? Did you go get your Brazilian, uh, the Brazilian steakhouse you love? Uh, you already know what time it is, my man. Yes, Medium sir. rare. Yes. Oh, the only way to do it, my friend. Only way to do it. All right, Rowdy, uh, UFC 275, you were be talking about this, uh, the card. You said the dogs are going to bark. Yeah, so just looking at the card blindly, Dan, 12 fights on this one. I said gun to head. I don't know if I would bet more than four favorites. Yeah, you know, it's tough, man, because on paper, I understand what you're saying. There's a lot of wide lines, but you also got to factor in that it's in Singapore. It's not in the United States. And to take it a step further, it's at the normal start time for the United States. That means it's going to be like 4 a.m. in Singapore. So if you already thought these guys are experiencing jet lag, they're going to be experiencing it to a whole nother level considering it's not only, you know, a different country, but it's going to be 4 a.m. in that different country. Dan, I'll admit it. I looked at the card and I'm going to be one of those guys. I'm going to be one of the value guys. Uh Uh-oh. Well, nothing wrong with that. I mean, at the end of the day, if you want to win long term, dogs are where it's at in UFC. Dogs will bark. Dan, um, if you, yeah, if you're looking at the, we'll just jump right into it. We're going to go to the main event, title, the title fight. We're going to go with Glover Teixeira and Jiri. I'm going to hold on a second. It's Yuri. I got to get the pronunciation here. Yuri, Dan Holdier, Pro, Prohashka. Did he get, Do I have that right? Did he get it, Dan? Yeah, Yuri Prohaska, pretty close, pretty we'll, close. We'll take it, we'll take it, we'll take it. What do you think, Dan, of the title fight? I think this is an amazing fight. I think for everyone listening at home, you know, I know that some of y'all don't watch every event, but you think, you know, okay, is this going to be an exciting fight or not? This is going to be an exciting fight. This is one of those fights where I would be shocked if it went the five-round distance. I would be absolutely surprised and even appalled if the fans started booing during a fight like this, if you want to see violence uh, in a controlled manner inside a cage with rules, <laughs> you have to tune in to UFC 275. This guy, Yuri Prohaska, I've never seen a style like his, man. I mean, he kind of has like a Kung Fu for MMA style. This guy's got 28 wins and 27 finishes. And of those 27 finishes, a high a majority of them are knockouts. And when he knocks people out, um, you know, they, they, they don't get back up right away. You know, the refs got to bring in the flashlights. They got to bring in the spelling salt. This guy is absolutely brutal. And then Glover Teixeira, he just won a UFC belt at 42 years of age. So, I mean, he's a very inspiring guy. He's out here schooling the young guns. And this should absolutely be chaos, gentlemen. So, Dan, I want to ask a question here. Uh, pro, how do you say the pro, pro Proheshka? Proheshka. Well, he was permitted to skip the line into content, uh, contender status because of his strength of resume. So, this dude is like a head knocker, then, Dan? Like, he, this guy's legit is legit? Oh, yeah. And I mean, saying he skips the line, I mean, look, on paper, yes, he's only 2 0 in the UFC, but the two guys he beat are two former title challenger, two top 10 guys and he beat them absolutely destructively. And then outside the UFC, he was knocking out UFC veterans. So the guy, you know, he actually got a call to fight for the UFC like maybe five years back, and he told them, hey, guys, I'm not quite ready yet. Let me get a little bit more experience, huh. and once I'm ready, once, I, once I'm ready to be a champion, that's when I'll come to the UFC, comes to the UFC, destroys his first two opponents. I'm talking spinning back elbow knockouts. I, I'm talking destruction. Now he's ready for his title shot, and that's what's going to happen Saturday night. See, when I instantly saw this fight, I look at Yuri and I go, if this is a fight on the feet, Teixeira's in for a long night. And then on the flip side, if this is a fight on the ground, Proheshka could be in for a long night with with Teixeira on top of him. That's why I feel like it would have to be dog or pass for me. Look, at a price like that, when you see a plus 180 next to a guy like Glover Teixeira, you see the kind of results he's been having. I completely understand why one would be tempted to take the shot. Now, full disclosure, I haven't been the best at picking Glover Teixeira fights because I keep waiting for that drop-off and because (laughs) he gets rocked in a lot of fights and then he just overcomes it and takes you down to the ground one time. The fights are over shortly after. And then I feel like if I pick him now, it's going to be the time when he finally gets knocked out. Now, here's the thing. While you are you are correct 
I, I do kind of want to, you know, I, I think there's more detail to be said. Like, for example, if Glover takes him down, but, you know, he can't pass to a dominant position, well, then the round might be over, and then it goes to the next round, and the next round starts on the feet. Now, on the flip side of that, gentlemen, Prohaska, for being the wild man and uh, absolutely uh, phenomenal guy to watch that he is, he fights with his hands down. And I know you've seen Glover Teixeira rock and knock out a few people over the years, so I wouldn't write that possibility off either. So I actually think that no matter where the fight takes place, uh, violence will ensue. Do you think it's safe to say that Teixeira has finally come into his old man strength? Dude, this guy's been had his old (laughs) man strength. I mean, we're, we're talking about a guy who was denied a visa many years back. You know, he was Chuck Liddell's main training partner. And people thought that he could have been a champion 10 years ago, but he couldn't get into the United States. Finally comes in here and goes on the run he's on and becomes the second oldest champion in UFC history. I mean, the oldest is the great Randy Couture, who won the belt at 46 years old. Now, if y'all can hear my dogs barking, usually when the dogs bark, that means means the underdogs are going to win. Yeah, maybe, maybe Glover Teixeira's worth a shot. That, uh, my, you know, we got uh, my dog Oscar's opinion on that. Oscar, what kind of dog you got, Dan? Uh, German Shepherd. Uh, give him a good pat on the head and say, who's a good boy for us? Uh, Rowdy, the next one you were... Uh, yeah, so I actually I placed a couple wagers and gave them out for today. And the, the first one that I went with, it, it has to be the rematch for the past title fight. I actually gave out Joanna and Jacek. On the money line, I liked her at plus 145 against Chong Whaley. I I just feel like she it was a dang close fight in the first one. Statistically, uh, Joanna won, but the damage was you couldn't see past her face. It, she blew up like an alien. Yeah, and I mean, let me say this. Oscar's still barking, so I think you, uh, you're on to something there as well. But he, look, here's, here's the thing, guys. If it's true that this fight is indeed going to be a split decision, 50-50 type fight, then there is value on Joanna. She's a, she's a significant underdog here. To take it a step further, that last fight they had was five rounds. This fight, was three round. this fight is going to be three rounds. If you look at the scorecards of the last fight and you take away the fourth and fifth round, Joanna would have actually won a split decision. So had that been a three-round fight, Joanna would have won. This is a three-round fight. Now, the only thing, gentlemen, that I'm concerned about is the location of this fight and the judging has been, you know, kind of suspect lately. Now you guys know that uh, China is closer to Singapore. You know, Wiley's anything from China than uh, than the United States. And although Joanna and Jacek is Polish, she's resided in the United States for the last near decade. So I'm always worried about some favoritism for you know the Ooh. person from from that continent if this is in fact a split decision 50-50 fight. However, at, at the end of the day, you got to take all that conspiracy talk out the window, and if this is truly going to be that close back-and-forth fight that you assume it's going to be, then the value's on Joanna. Yeah, and, and if she likes to stay on the outside, throw some leg kicks, some jabs, I feel like she'll be all right. If you if you watch the first fight, which I know you did, Whaley had her advantage inside in the clinch and when they were really close. So I think if she keeps that distance, I think she could probably cruise to a stick and move type fight. Yeah, no doubt. You know, there's just certain concerns. You know, there's the power of Wiley. You know, last time she uh, literally uh, made Joanna grow a head on her head with that hematoma. <laughs> and, uh, and you saw that last fight between Rosama Yunus and Wiley. Wiley actually threw a curveball and accrued a lot of top time with takedowns. Now, Joanna does have some of the best takedown defense and get-up game in strawweight history, so I'm not sure if it's going to be as much of a factor here as it was against Rose, but it's just something to consider just in case they, uh, she takes a different route. Because, look, not... All two fights are created equally. You can think of so many examples where the first fight went one way, the second fight went a different way. Just mm-hmm. to give a couple examples, Joanna and Jacek versus Rose Namajunas. First time was a first-round knockout. Second time was a five-round war. You look at Wiley versus Rose Namajunas. First time was a first-round knockout. Second time was a five-round war. Now, I'm not saying that this isn't going to be a, another three-round war, but I'm just saying every fight is different. So you got to consider that. Uh, Dan from Half the Battle joining us right now. Follow him on Twitter as well as Best Fights Pick. Dan, yeah, right. no, I was just going to ask real quick. We had one more pick on the the Razor's Edge today, and it was actually the Jack Della Mendelina fight and the Ra- Ramazan Emayev fight. And I ended up going with Emayev, the the Russian, basically because. When I walked 
Rich Jack fight, he had two lower level UFC fights and it seemed like he was taken down relatively easy and guys that you wouldn't think of, of guys that would go out and submit people were kind of putting him in submissions. Now he did not tap and he obviously won both fights. But when I look at uh, his opponent, I look at a Dagestani Russian where I know he's going to be tough and I know he's going to be able to wrestle. If he can just shoot and take down, I I just don't know if Jack is really a minus 160 favorite if it's not a fight on the feet. Yeah, look, I definitely agree with you that the line's gotten a bit out there. You know, I think at a pick'em price, there's, there was nothing wrong with taking Madalena, but here at minus 160, it's become a dog or pass situation. And back in the day, and I say back in the day, it's not even back in the day, but uh, a couple of years ago, Ramazan Amiz was a very reliable guy to bet on. Um, you could literally bet on him every single fight, and you don't even have to watch the fight. It might not even be the most exciting fight, but there's going to be money in your account 15 minutes later. That's how reliable Ramazan Amiv is. But I have kind of seen a bit of a decline these last few fights. Now, it's not a substantial decline. You know, We're not sitting here acting like he's getting dropped by jabs or anything crazy like that, but the dominance I once saw from, from him isn't quite there. Now, granted, Madalena is a very green prospect. Can he take advantage of that? So here's my thing. I think Amiv is going to get those takedowns you were talking about. I think Amiv is going to be able to pin him up against the fence and kill the clock. It's just those times that take place at space. I'm worried about Madalena racking up the volume and the judges favoring that, favoring that over you know some control time from Amiv. So that's what you got to be worried about. But again, if it's going to be another 50-55, you know you got value with the underdog. Dan, you are the absolute man, the legend. Congrats on the purple belt, and thank you so much for all of your insight. And I noticed that uh, Oscar was not barking in the last one there, Rowdy. So I don't know if that dog. Hey, I'll take a one and one and scalp, gonna come to scalp a little bit of a profit. <laughs> hey, Dan, big plans for the weekend before I let you go. I, I see you also got uh, an. Atlanta Braves World Series ring must be nice, eh? As a community Atlanta Milwaukee Brewers, unbelievable. Uh, how, how's everything going in the ATL, dude? Oh, it's awesome. I went to the game the other night. You know, we killed the A's 13 to 2. And let me tell you all something about this ring. So, you know how they have the, you know, I'm sure they do it with the Brewers too. Like, they have a giveaway for the first X amount of, of fans that walk in, you know, a special promotion, this and that. So they had a ring giveaway, you know, for the first actually 40,000. Of fans that walk really, in. really, and you're I'm, doing this. Yeah, I was thinking <laughs> it was going to be you know a little plastic ring. You know, you put the you put the fifty cents in the machine, and you know you get you get your little ring. And dude, like it's actually like I'm going to ask one of my friends if they got a diamond test. Or <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the ring's looking legit, gentlemen. <laughs> Dan, first the Braves beat the Brewers, then they go on to win the World Series. Then you're talking about you know how like MLB franchises they do like giveaway things. Yeah, we just gave away rings. Brewers have never won a ring. We're still looking for our first World Series. Yeah, We're amongst nice Cub fans that throw it in our face saying you never won anything yet. Yeah, we'll get a we'll get a Bucks <laughs> ring. Dan, you the man, brother. Have a great weekend. We love you, brother. Have a good one. We'll follow along. Half the battle. A beautiful podcast. And your Twitter account, Best Fight Picks. We love you, brother. Hey, thank y'all so much. Love y'all too, and we'll speak soon. All right. Adios. There he is. Dan, my man. Yeah, that's just that just ain't right, Rowdy. That just ain't right. You know, I'm not a ring guy. We've talked about this, but I would consider going to a Brewer game if they were giving away replica World Series rings because then we'd have a World Series. Devontae Adams on the podium for the Las Vegas Raiders saying some very interesting things. I'm going to play the clip. Uh, Part of the clip, though, it it does not include it. So I'll play the first clip, then I'll tell you what else he said. Take a listen to Devontae Adams when asked about his exit from Green Bay. He talks about Aaron Rodgers kind of being undecided at the end of his career and also Jordan Love compared to why he wanted to go to Las Vegas. Take a listen. About his future and what he what he thinks his his duration in Green Bay or just football in general would look like, and you know that played into into my decision as well because you know where I'm in my career, um, you know, and this isn't a shot at anybody, any other quarterbacks or you know on the, in Green Bay. You know, I love Jordan Love especially. He's a he's a great guy, but you know, I just I got I got aspirations of doing really really big things and and being remembered, and I just you know it just. It wasn't really a point in my career that I was willing to to sacrifice, um, you know, 
Aaron not being there, you know, after a year or two. So um, my decision was to be here. That's not this just in. Devontae Adams doesn't think Jordan loves the man. Yeah, that's yeah. not. That's exactly what I thought. <laughs> nothing against him, but hey, nothing, eh, I need it's like, leave. hey, I'm not blank, but <laughs> hey, I'm not going to say this is not a shot, but. Jordan loves a nice guy. It's like, hey, hey, say, hey, hey, like you're. It's like when someone gets friend zoned. It's like, hey, you're you're a really nice guy, but I just don't want to date you. Hey, you're really, you're a really nice guy, but you're just not a good quarterback. That isn't that what he said about Jordan Love right there. That Jordan Love's not the guy. I really want to be a Packer, but, but not with you. Not with you. <laughs> Uh, Devonta, yeah, especially when he says the time frame of you know one to two years, uh-huh. I'm trying to do big things here. He also knows that he's getting up there in age, where his prime is probably about another one two years, <laughs> and he he wants to have something after where he can kind of hang his hat on and say, "Hey, I'm an aging wide receiver, but I'm still going to get a ton of production because I'm playing with a really good quarterback." Yeah. Hey, Jordan Love, you're a really nice guy, but. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. if you were hang, if you were checking out Twitter yesterday and saw the Kurt Benkert tweets about him and Jordan Love and Jawan Winfrey playing paintball on their team bonding day off, technically. Obviously, exercise. Devontae Adams has never played paintball with Jordan Love. <laughs> yeah, because Jordan Love is really good at it, right, Rowdy? <laughs> the leadership, unmatched. Devontae Adams says, you know what? Hey, you may be really good at paintball, but my God, you stink as a quarterback. I'm going to Las Vegas, dude. Viva Las Vegas. Well, Devontae Adams also hi. said about Derek Carr, as far as talent and ability, it's really similar, if I'm keeping it real, as in he compares Derek Carr to Aaron Rodgers, saying it's really similar in ability and talent. Yeah, now that's the one where I'll kind of scratch my head. I, I can get on board with him saying, hey, I want to be somewhere with a quarterback that I know is going to be pretty good after the next year or two. I'll agree with him on that one, but... Derek Carr is a good quarterback. Don't get me wrong. He's got some, he's got talent and I don't think he's been surrounded with the best talent in his entire career. Now, obviously the Raiders are loading up here as of late and he played really well last season. And I know a few years prior, he was uh, a MVP candidate at one point. Like he's a good player, but to say he's on pace yeah. and on par so, with Aaron Rodgers, that's a bit of a stretch where I think the Devonte Adams, Derek Carr friendship is a, uh, you have kind it, of showing through. You have right an now. MVP candidate rowdy, or you have a guy who has now won four MVPs. Correct. And that, and that's Which, when I say Derek Carr, MVP candidate, I'll like go with, I'll go with the candidate. I'm saying he was like in the, <laughs> Top 10, top, you know what I mean? It wasn't like he was number one, number two. But the other thing was he's only done that probably twice in his career. Aaron Rodgers, for the most part, throw out one season is right there every year. I mean, to Devontae's credit, though, it's kind of like when Greg Jennings went over to Minnesota and said, uh, oh, he's better than Aaron Rodgers. You're like, not, what do you want these not, guys to you're say? You're not going to sign a long-term deal at another team and be like, yeah, my quarterback sucks. Yeah, I mean, you're going to toll the company line. I, I mean, feel like that would be. actually be all right for him to say if he had signed a long-term big money deal and he went to, like, the Jets. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah Just, I don't even know who my quarterback is. <laughs> Zach Wilson stinks. Aaron Rodgers, four-time MVP, yes. I'd just flat out say I wanted to go play with my friend. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Just say it. Well, I mean, it makes sense for Devontae Adams. If he wanted to get back out west, if he wanted yep. to get – well, here I have it playing with his buddy. I have it right here. And Derek Carr happens to be pretty good. It's kind of win, win, win. He yeah. says my decision was to be here, and he respected that. And Rogers, he understood that it has a lot to do with where I want to raise my kids, my family, being closer to the home. We've all had good talks, man, with Aaron Rodgers. He understands where I'm coming okay, from. Hold, hold on, you want you would rather raise your family in Las Vegas than Green Bay for Devonte Adams, as far as yes. family goes. Yep. It sounds I like. Mean, it where is. did you meet your wife at the Cheetah Club? Hey, <laughs> hey there's a lot of hard single mothers out there in, yeah. in L.A. Well, or someone that's got a lot of. Or, sorry, LV. Las Vegas. <laughs> I mean, you, hey, there's there's a lot of people out there that a when it comes to what Rowdy's talking about, single moms have a drug habit. Or working their way through college. Okay. Yeah, or some of them two or three or three or Maybe Devontae Adams is like a big believer in here, son or daughter. These are what not to do. Yeah. <laughs> here, see, son or hey, daughter. Hey, you see every day you walk out you see, of, the, of our front porch and you see everything that people are doing. Don't do that. Don't I mean, you're talking about a that. city that's outlawed grass. <laughs> it's, it's called Sin City. Yeah. 
for a reason. Well, I mean, I mean, Bryce Harper and Chris Bryant are from Las Vegas. They turned out all right. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, we'll see how uh, Adams does out there. I mean, he's got, they got Renfro. They got Waller. Yeah, they got we'll Jacob. So, I mean, at least they got other weapons. So maybe Carl look way better with Devontae. I wanted to uh, get to this. The Green Bay Packers. How about the final part of the mandatory minicamp? They canceled practice yesterday, and they went out to paintball. Paintballing. Do you think Aaron Rodgers like, I came back for this, dude? I came do you think, back for this. Do you think Aaron Rodgers participated? I would, man. Like, obviously, it's team building. Yeah. I get it. Team building exercises. I wonder if it was mandatory, and I actually I wonder if Aaron Rodgers did it. I was looking at his Instagram account, and I didn't see anything of a story. Or I mean, Rogers really doesn't post much on social media, so I was looking at his stuff. I, I never saw anything. I saw Kurt Benkert and uh, Jordan Love really crushing it, Rowdy. So yeah, I don't know. It's a good thing Love could hit somebody. Well, we don't know if he could hit anyone or no. not, <laughs> right, Rowdy? What, what did what did Benkert say about or? Who was it talking about love? Was it Ben Kurt talking about love? Yeah, Ben Kurt <laughs> tweeted out paintball outing today with, and it was a cheese emoji. I will be slide canceling, bee hopping, and drop shotting GGs in advance. Now, <laughs> he was he was tweeting about the paintballing, and then him and I believe it was Jordan Love and Jawan Winfrey were going back and forth, and Kurt Ben Kurt was giving some love to Jawan Winfrey and Jordan Love for their uh, teamwork and communications on the paintballing field. <laughs> all right, well, something else that happened. Uh, well, here's one thing we do know about Aaron Rodgers. I think it's all but confirmed. So yesterday we went full TMZ, and we had the story that Aaron Rodgers indeed has a new girlfriend, and she went by the name of Blue of Earth, B-L-U, Blue of Earth. I'm a fan. I, this is my favorite girlfriend of Rogers, and the relationship's already young. She is pretty based. Well, Rowdy, on Instagram, you said this to me last night. I followed her on Instagram. I didn't see this. Did you follow her on Instagram too then? How I did, did you not. see this? I did not. I just went through all the little stories. Okay, well, on Instagram, you can post stories, and there's just a little, it's like a slideshow, essentially. So Blue of Earth, I think, is confirming that she is indeed dating one Aaron Charles Rogers. So the news came out, Rowdy, that what? That she was a witch, a medicine woman, and I, I think we, we thought her name was Blue of Earth, right? You kept calling her Blue of Earth. I don't know what her name is. That's what's just the what people were... Because we, we did have listeners, and we found that her real name was Charlotte. Charlotte. But then she goes on Instagram and says... Basically, people are funny. My name isn't Blue of Earth. My name is Blue. <laughs> that, that, was, okay. that was just okay, I Charlotte. Guess, her Instagram handle. So right here, I have it. I have her slide in her story. She says, "P.S. My name is Blue, not Blue of Earth." With a facepalm emoji. Well, okay. So it all started coming out, right? That Roger was dating this woman who thought she was a witch and a medicine woman and a blue of Earth. So right now, she's kind of confirming that she is dating Aaron Rodgers, saying, "My name is Blue, not Blue of Earth." Then the next slide says, and I do not identify as a witch. And that is obviously in all caps. With a crying laughing emoji. And then says, y'all are hilarious. She did not deny, though. She did not deny, though, of dating Aaron Rodgers. Okay, but if you go on her Instagram and says she's the founder of fluorescence.earth, a modern mystery school for women to reclaim the magical, radically authentic, wise, wild, unapologetic you. I love it, dude. I mean, I love it. Hopefully this doesn't distract him. Like, I don't know if he met her at like a peyote camp. I don't really care. <laughs> but she don't seem like she's all into herself. She doesn't have this big giant career. She seems really laid back. So she's in the vibes. Hopefully the Zen Aaron Rodgers. This is the, Zen. With the, uh, yeah. the uh, samurai haircut. Yeah, this is this is my favorite girlfriend of Aaron Rodgers. And then the next slide. I hope to run into her at Festival Foods, all right? I think you're going to run into her at a I festival. I don't think she goes to a Festival Foods. I think she's the, probably at she's some. She's at Whole Foods. Yeah. She's she's Not even that. Like she's probably at sacrificing some Sacrificing goats. I don't know if she's in the sacrificing thing. I don't know. If, I think she's, if Mercury is in retrograde, then you better watch out because she might be grumpy. I think you'd see her at some small, like, co-op of all-natural foods. Well, Green, yeah. Green Bay has their farmer's market every I weekend. would be there. I'm a big all-natural guy. I love Blue of Earth. I'm sorry, Blue. Yeah, well. She's hot, too. Well, 
See, I'm all for trying healthy things and doing stuff, you know, a little maybe against the norm. But I don't know. Some of the, the pictures and things you read, not going to lie, Ebo, seems a little cultish. I'm I'm a fan of this woman. Uh, then, then her next slide, this is where it gets really good. Her next slide on Instagram, she's super based. The greatest mysteries of mankind. There's a picture of Sasquatch. There's a picture of Stonehenge. There's a picture of the Loch Ness Monster. And then the fourth picture of the greatest mysteries of mankind why this Amber Heard BS wasn't televised, or was televised, but not the Galeen Maxwell trial. Because Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. This is blue of Earth. Sorry, blue. Is there a picture of Trent Dilfer with a Super Bowl ring? The greatest mysteries of mankind. Sasquatch, Stonehenge, Loch Ness Monster, and why the Galeen Maxwell trials weren't uh, televised, but the Amber Turd ones were. All right. I like this woman. So she seems really cool. She's based. Down to Earth. (laughs) Blue of Earth. She just... I hope her covenant brings us a Super Bowl. Yeah, uh, dude, you can feel the vibes. Like, the universe. Like I, I will stir the cauldron for her. The universe is speaking to us. <laughs> the Super Bowl is coming for Vince Lombardi's trophy. I love it. I love it. This is my favorite Aaron Rodgers girlfriend. Like, is she going to be at Stadium View? Um, it's, it's a bar. I know it is, but I'm trying yeah. to think of. Uh, See, I told you yesterday, Ebo, if I was Aaron Rodgers. Is there a juice bar next to it? It should be there, maybe. I, With extra re- wheatgrass? Look, you've seen me. I don't think we're going to, like, feature the. I guess I'm just going to go everywhere that I wouldn't go. <laughs> That's where you find blue. Like, everywhere where, Nathan's like, not. Like, where's the organic tea shop? That, you'll find blue there. What do you say, Rodney? If I was Aaron Rodgers, and I mean, pretty much since he came into the league, it's like a who's he dating. I probably would have called it quits with uh, Baywatch, what, Kelly Rohrbrick or whatever? Roblox? Yeah, well, he's not a blonde guy. He's a brunette guy. He tried the blonde thing. Didn't work. Uh, but past that, <laughs> when I look at blue... <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't have a last name? Blue of Earth. But the, yeah, the the Twitter handle or the Instagram Blue handle, Blue of Earth, Earth. B-L-U. I told you yesterday I get like a very, very loud enchantress from Suicide Squad yeah, vibe oh yeah. to it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I also, when we were talking about it in the uh This the one office, is great. I love this woman. <laughs> it was like an entra- enchantress with like a... Mix of like the ancient druid culture. Yeah, you guys ever seen the movie? Some some strange like witchcraft. Have you guys magic. ever seen the movie without a paddle? Yep, I have. You I'm know like, what? I know what you're talking. The girls in the trees. You know the end of the movie where, <laughs> yes. where the, the girls are living in the trees, protecting Mother Earth, <laughs> and they got the long armpit hair, and right. they like they got all the bags of poop because they don't you know they throw it at the bad guys at the end. I feel like Blue of Earth would be living up there with those with those ladies. So the she used. To, I'm a fan. I like her. I, have a feeling, I like this woman. I, I have a feeling like he's going to come I, home and she's going to be floating with her eyes rolled back. This is kind of this just in. Ebo's attracted to long armpit hair from women. Yeah, I like hey, to braid uh, it. I like to braid it. All right, Jen. Stop. No shave. <laughs> no. Twenty twenty-two. <laughs> I mean, until your armpit hair looks like his COVID hair. Hey, yeah, yeah. We have long, <laughs> long braided. Listen, listen, listen. Blue of Earth. Look it. If Rodgers is going to get on this vibe thing of bringing a Super Bowl home, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. We had the weirdness of Hollywood with Olivia Munn. Didn't need that. We had Danica Patrick who could barely drive a car. We didn't need that. We had Well, she crashed a lot. We had uh, Kelly. What the hell is her name? Rohrbach, I think. Too busy with the Hollywood stuff. Now we got a girl focused strictly on the vibes and, you know, astrology signs and bringing home the mystique of the Vince Lombardi well, Trophy. Even if you were a witch... Or into whatever I love it. I love this ancient woman. magic or whatever you're Serendipitous. into. Would <laughs> a lot of people were saying that Giselle Bunchin, uh, aka Tom Brady's wife, was also into kind of that same stuff. Yeah. Well, if you have two witches dueling for the Super Bowl, who can burn who, the most? Who wins? Stage? Is this is this like a Gandalf versus Saruman? Oh. Well, in ours, we're the. Oh. Then we're I know they're, wi- they're wizards. They are wizards, but they got witches. I would. This can't. I think now Gandalf is it gets Gan- down to any witches? Is it Gandalf the Gray or Gandalf the White? Well, Rogers has been fighting the big devil-looking beast on a. I'm trying to think. I know of Roger, Lord of the Rings Ro- parallel here. Yeah, yeah. They're on the long journey to return the Vince Mordor. Lombardi's trophy home to. Lin- He's look. I gotta think about this. He just wants to be the Lord of the Ring. One ring to rule them all. Rogers will be Lord of the Ring this year with his witch blue over. Well, I'll tell you this. Thank you, Nate. If she really does have that long of armpit hair and probably doesn't wear deodorant, (laughs) I'll say she's Lord of the Flies. (laughs) 
I'm just going back to I don't care as long as you get a ring. Lord of the Flies. I mean, you read that book, right? Look, they're unstoppable. Heard about it. Dude looks like a samurai, and she's a witch. You know what they say that the longer your hair is, the more like power you get. I don't know if you guys ever get down to that. Did you feel that way when you had long hair? I did feel pretty powerful. I got I, bigger over COVID. Right? I, I felt like a lady. <laughs> He's a lady. All right. There you go. I don't know where we started, but I don't know where we ended either, but here we are.